Hello, I'm James Cook, and thank you for joining the James Cook Podcast. Country music radio host Bill Mack passed away July 31st of this year. He was a Grammy-winning member of the Country Music Disc Jockey Hall of Fame, songwriter, on-air personality, and host of many country shows. The Midnight Cowboy had a phenomenal career in country music, and I recently sat down and spoke with his son and partner in crime, Billy Mack III. Please enjoy. Neighbors, this is your old saddle pal, Bill Max, sneaking in here with the Bill Max Saturday Afternoon Show. We hope everybody's feeling real fine. Well, let's talk a little bit about your dad and his impact in your life and your career. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I started off doing uh, litigation support. Yeah, I interned with him in WDAP. You know, I slept in radio stations, spent the night with him during the all-night show, during the summers, and it was always a lot of fun. And uh, interned when I was about 15 to about 18 years old during the summer, you know, okay. and, but yeah, I think when I was about 29 is when he went over to XM radio and when he went over to XM radio, that's when he called me and he said, Hey, would you want to come over and help me, you know, just get the music rocks for my show? And so I was like, sure. So, you know, and I already knew the type of music he loved. I grew up on it, you know, Lefty Brazil, uh, Hank Senior and, George Jones, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, and, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. He would bring me in, and we would talk on the air about certain stuff. And, and uh, the higher-ups uh, higher uh, called and asked me one time, would Billy be interested in doing a, a weekend show with us? And that was on Channel 171, Open Road. And, you know, I was like, well, I've done this. You know, Mr. Cocky. And, well, the first day, you know, the first day you've ever been on the air with your own show, Oh, you know, James, or maybe you were just stone cold. You had it, but I started having nerves, man. I felt like I was having a panic attack. Oh, wow. So I looked at my dad, he was in the other room, and they had built him a studio in Fort Worth, which we still have. And so I went in there and I said, Hey, dad, I'm nervous. Yada, yada, yada. Do you have any advice for me? And he said, Son, this business is, uh, I'll keep it clean. He goes, This business is about 90, uh, 90% BS. And he goes, You're, uh, you're 100% full of it. You're going to be <laughs> all these stuff. Go have fun, you know? After he had passed away, I started looking up uh, old interviews with him. The, the first thing I saw was, and I noticed, he actually DJed in my hometown, Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls was, you know, he started, uh, you know, he started cleaning the bathrooms and stuff as a side gig over at the radio station in Shamrock, Texas, where he grew up. Okay. And till... Something happened with another DJ until he, he finally got a shot. And finally, the uh, GM or somebody said, hey, somebody's sick. Do you want to come in? And he went in, and, and the rest was history. But when he went to Wichita Falls, he always stated that that was his university in the radio. Okay. That, uh, yeah, he said that's where he started learning more about himself, learning how to, you know, transition from songs and front sale, back sale, all that good stuff. But also the main thing was, was he said, was slowing down and being himself and being natural to what's transitioned to where, uh, you know, where he, where he ended up. Uh, yeah, he, so, yeah, he, he, you know, when he was at WBAP, he started at WBAP in 69, 1969. Back then, you know, they didn't have all the FCC rules and everything, so you could pick up WBAP from, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, to some parts in uh, Canada. Every picture I saw of him, 
he was around somebody huge. Somebody I just can't believe he's next to him. Marty Robbins, Jerry Lee Lewis. Did you ever get to see some of these crazy, huge country stars when you were growing up? Oh, absolutely. You know, I grew up, um, you know, I grew up around uh, Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson. Wow. Uh, all these guys, you know, so that was pretty normal for us. Uh, my sisters and I growing up. Uh, not until I got older did I start appreciating it a lot more because those became my favorites, you know. My William, my dad, and Waylon, they grew up songwriting together. Sing, uh, even my dad was, like, big in radio. You know, my dad, and I, I don't know if it was Wichita, it was Lovick, I think, or something, but Waylon was DJ there along with my dad. And so Waylon, my dad, wrote a lot of songs together, you know, in their off time. They just sit there and write songs, and a lot of them they sold. You know, just like Willie did with uh, Crazy with, for uh, Patsy Klein. You know, so there were a lot of songs that my dad wrote, that Waylon wrote, that you hear today that you, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, wow. So yeah. when I was listening to early versions of Blue, um, and that's on vinyl. I think I'd seen something online where it showed that it was still on vinyl. Uh, to hear the early version, to go, man, that's a class. That's such a classic sound. And if you remember, whenever Leon Rimes released that song, it's a record scratch on on a top 40 country station in the 90s and it's it's such a killer sound so i remember hearing that and going like awesome how cool is this sound well you're right and also and back then when that song came out they would say it was two country two country two country <laughs> two country for country <laughs> two country for country man that's so uh, funny yeah. What was that yeah, process like? Like, how did how did she get a hold of it? Was it an old song she already knew, or Marty Rendleman used to be her manager, and uh, Marty Rendleman and my dad have worked together for quite a while. And uh, you know, she lived in Grand Prairie, and so Marty had called my dad and said, "You've got to check out this young girl, the voice on her. You know, she's playing at Johnny High and uh, over in uh, Arlington and stuff like that." So anyway. Well, he did. He listened to her and he was just blown away by her voice. I mean, at her age. So he did. He gave her a few songs and said, you know, you know, whatever you think. And, and he pulled Blue out and he had not done really much with that song and uh, gave it to her. And Leanne was sold on. Her parents, who were managing her at the time, uh, didn't want her to record Blue. Oh, wow. And she stood by her guns as a young girl and says, no, I want to sing this song. I want to sing this one right here. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool watching that because that was at the same time I was interning at WBAP. And, uh, you know, so Leanne was always in the studio, her, her parents, and, you know, just very wonderful people. So, uh, you know, she'll always be that, that, that little girl that I knew running up and down the halls. And, you know, I was young, too. So, you know, we just, we just hung out. And it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty surreal, though, when he got the Grammy for it. And uh, when he was nominated, he was just like, so when I was a very humble guy. He really is. And uh, uh, and then to win, you know, so when he was out there in New York, uh, we had a Grammy party at our house. And uh, to see him get that was uh, was pretty amazing. Going over to my dad's house, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, you go over there and it's, it's like a museum in some ways. Now, he doesn't protect it and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, there's so many awards that I forget. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, he got that. You know, or he got that one. and. Uh, but yeah, that, that, you know, you know, the Grammy is like the, the top tier for a musician and, uh, something he never thought he would receive. And, uh, and it, it, for him to receive that was a, it, it, it blew all of our minds and, uh, we were extremely, extremely proud of him.
he, uh, he called me and, you know, and that was back in the nineties, you know, when Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam and, and that, all that, that was going on. And now I've always loved that, that music too. Yeah. And uh, my dad called me and he's, he was backstage. He's like, Hey, did you see it? And I was like, yeah, I saw it. So proud of you. Everybody in the house was clapping, you know, we were just having a great time. He goes, hang on, I'm back here with you. My mom knew I loved Smashing Pumpkins. And she goes, we're back here with the uh, Smashing Pumpkins. We're right over there. And he goes, the Bumpkins Smashing something? And I went, oh, Smashing Pumpkins did. He had no idea who they were. The Bumpkins. We're back here with the Bumpkins. Yeah, yeah, we're back here with the Bumpkins. But, uh, yeah, he was extremely quiet. But I always say this, too, man, is uh, he never, we were at the house, you know, and he didn't talk about all that. You know, he, he, he didn't sit around and go, uh, listen to this song I wrote, or come here and listen to this. You know, he he went with me from time to time. He'd be like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Especially as he got older, he did. But uh, growing up, it was never like a big topic. Uh, growing up, so it was normal to us, you know. Yeah. But of course, you know, uh, like I said, as I got older, I was just kind of like, "Wow, man, what an amazing career!" And to be able to work with him, uh, you know, the final years of his radio career was a blessing for me. And that's really when I started to really soak things in on the way he approached uh, artists and. Uh, way just the way he approached life in general, not just radio. You know, he was a great man, fantastic. It's it's also I really love the fact that he was able to speak on such a conversational level, no matter what he was doing. I listened to some of the bits he would do for, and I just got to say, Midnight Cowboy Trucking Show is one of the coolest damn names I've ever heard for a show ever. That's a killer yeah. name. He was directly speaking. That's something. You and I know, I mean, we're both in the radio biz. That's what we're sure. supposed to do. Have a conversation with people that aren't there. Right. And he was able to do that in a way where I was obviously, as soon as I heard it, I was like, that's how you do it. That's well, how yeah. you do it. Well, the truck drivers are the ones that gave him that nickname. And they're the ones who created that Midnight Cowboy. It wasn't my dad or anybody else. Uh, because the truck drivers would call in and then they start calling him Midnight Cowboy and it just stuck. You know, so cool. that was back then when, you know, no cell phones were around and, you know, these truckers were driving for two weeks at a time. Sometimes the long haul truckers gone for a month. And uh, so sometimes, you know, the wives would call in knowing their husband or whoever was uh, listening. And so that was their communication with their husband on the road or something. I remember the focus in the 70s for truckers. I mean, you had movies, you had songs, Convoy. So there was a lot of focus on truckers around then and, and really their wasn't. lives. And this, but I'm, to see that he was a part of that in such a big way is also, it's just, it's mind blowing a little bit to know that he was in the center of all that. Yeah. You know, when country music started changing to where we're at today, you know, with the, uh, you know, my dad, the funny story about my dad is uh, I posted something about one of the pop country artists out today. And um, I posted, this is years back. And uh, talking about this wasn't real country, just one of those funny memes, you know, or something like that. Well, my dad saw it on social media. And he came up to me and he said, uh, he goes, hey, he goes, I saw that on Facebook. And I go, yeah, and he never, like, told me how to live my life or something. But he goes, he goes, he goes why do that? And I go, I don't know. Because I don't think he's country music. But I go, so you, you know that? And he goes, you so... This guy has uh, millions and millions and millions of fans, and, and you're the one that knows better than everybody else. All right, <laughs> uh, like and, uh, and and I thought about that. And he goes, "Well, you know, spend time, so you know, promoting 
one of the people you love, you know. He goes, don't knock anybody for any artistic talent they might have, whether you agree with it or not. You know, and I, I learned a lot from that. You know, I get so upset about it. Play what you want. And I, I have, fortunately, today, I have the ability to program a station and be music director. And I play um, some of the new Nashville. I don't get into the bro stuff. But I, there's still good new, new Nashville out there. Great Texas music. That's where my heart belongs. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you, you can mix it up. And I think we've done a very good job out here. Now, in saying that, uh, without saying the artist's name, this is about uh, a week and a half later. It was right around Thanksgiving. And there was somebody who played the halftime show for the Dallas Cowboys. And my dad was sitting there. And uh, we were watching the game. My dad goes, well, who the hell is that? <laughs> I, go, I go, you remember that Facebook post that you got on to me about? And he goes, yeah. And I go, he goes, I go, that's him. Dad goes, oh, shit, I'm sorry, son. <laughs> he goes, he goes, I swear to God, Jason goes, I'm on my own business from now on. I go, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so glad that you've been sharing some of those interviews online as well, because the one that I saw with Waylon Jennings, through that conversation, I gathered those two's relationship, those two guys and their relationship. Uh, and while I'm watching it, I realized, because it's 2004 that I'm looking at, I realized while I was watching it, I'm looking at decades of these two guys knowing each other. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at decades of friendship Decades of them hanging out at a bar, enjoying music together. It told so much just in that interview. A lot of these, a lot of these people, and just like you and I, you know, you, you gain friendships through this business. And, uh, you know, my dad, Waylon, uh, Merle, uh, I think uh, the only time I saw my dad ever tear up when an artist passed away, and that was when Merle Haggard passed. And, uh, uh, that was, you know, he took that really tough. Uh, That's what it, I'm so sorry. It was Merle Haggard. Yeah, it was Merle. Yeah. So, I keep saying Will and Jennings, but it was no, Merle. No, it's okay. Yeah, and so that, that was one time where I saw him. I knew it hit him very hard. As a matter of fact, it was about two days later. He hadn't been to Billy Bob's, Texas, in probably over 10 some odd years because he was getting older. And uh, But he was like, hey, son, you want to go to Billy Bob's? And so we went to Billy Bob's. We walked around. I, I knew he was going down memory lane, and, and we had a great evening that night. You know, it was just him, uh, my mom, and myself. You know, just walking around and, you know, Robert Gallagher and those people are always so great to us. And, uh, so. Yeah, there's so many, there's so much history at Billy Bob's. Right when you walk in, you you sense it, you see the history. You realize, man, I'm at a place where some giants have been here. It's crazy, right? It really is. You know, and it goes back to like uh, Robert Gallagher, Pam Minnick and those great, they're just such great people too. Just great people. They do such a fantastic job on keeping it real and, Keep it at that old, good old honky-tonk vibe that you want. And that we're losing a lot of today. Yeah. And it's cool to, it's cool to catch that whenever you're there because you feel yeah. it. It's, even if it is nostalgic, it's still, you still sense it right when you walk in. I'll tell you what, um, whenever I smell, when I'm at the stockyards and I smell, um, you know, horse shit, right. <laughs> I immediately know. Stockyards, baby. <laughs> There's nothing like the there's nothing like the Fort Worth stockyards, man. You know, and I'm partial. It's my hometown. You know, that's where I was born and raised. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the stockyards. There's so much history there, too. You know, some yeah. of the places have closed. Like Ernest Tubb Record Shop out there. That was one of my favorite places to go. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and I'm so glad that they're keeping it the way they have. I know there have been debates about making it more commercial. Uh, you know, I think at one point. It almost became that way. You know, they were going to start building tall buildings out there and uh, the powers of be, you know, kind of squashed that. Now we need to keep it 
keep the Fort Worth stockyard the way it is, you know. Yeah. You still have Sundance and a, and a lot of other places. Right, right, right. Modernize right. those places. Keep, keep, keep stockyards the way it is. That's, yeah, yeah, uh, of course you. Every, <laughs> push it. Right when I walk in, I'm telling you, it's. it's I, no, it's no disrespect. It's just, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm here to drink. It's time for a beer. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, for sitting around talking with us about your father. Sure. Um, sure. Well, James, I really appreciate you. And, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, my dad passed, we knew it would be news. We didn't expect uh, the news the way it was, you know. Uh, so we, we were just amazed. And, uh, you know, you see thoughts and prayers and all that all the time. But that really, truly has helped our family. We were, you know, when he got COVID, uh, we hadn't, he, he got to where he wasn't talking on the phone. So the nursing home was the only place they were only contact to my dad. And uh, when they called us and they told us that, yeah, he's not feeling good, something's wrong, and it happened so quick. And then three hours later, he was in the hospital. And then I think two hours later, we were talking to a doctor and a nurse and said, he's not going to make it. And uh, we're about to give him medication to make him extremely comfortable. And, you know, of course, we were toward. My dad, I can honestly say, you know, people talk about what's it like having your dad. With Bill Mack, and you know, my dad was my best friend. You know, he truly, truly was my best friend. It was an open door policy. I could talk to him about anything without him going off on me. He was the most loving man and funny. Funny is all get out, sarcastic. And we couldn't go up there, we couldn't risk my mom. They said, you know, he was in the COVID unit, and so we had Sarah Goodbye's by the phone. And uh, this is my classic dad. Uh, we were, you know, my sister was crying, I was crying, you know, and uh. But dad, we can barely talk. And he says, would you guys please pull yourselves together? You're embarrassing me in front of this beautiful nurse. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I'm still saying I've been divorced now for about eight years. And I told my dad, so I asked my dad, I go, well, what does she look like? And the nurse, the nurse told me, uh, he's rolling his eyes. And he always said this to me. He goes, it's not all you think about, son. <laughs> <laughs> but he was ready. He was ready. But uh, my, the main thing where I was getting at, though, is, you know, my main concern, too, the next day after he passed, I called the nursing home, and they were definitely upset. He was the first person to catch it there. And from what I hear now, they've had about four or five new cases in that home that was up. But my main concern was making sure that staff was okay, because uh, they did such a tremendous job. There was no anger. Uh, some people were asking me, oh, aren't you pissed at the nursing home? Man, look, this is where we're at today, you know. We're, and uh, so, I no, I called them to make sure they were okay. You know, and let them know how much we love them. And, uh, you know, and and that's where I know you and I were talking earlier before the podcast. You know, this isn't about a mask debate or, or, or people wearing masks. But uh, one thing I w- is just realizing that we're all in this together at the end of the day. You know, we're, 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 you know whatever, whatever belief you have, whatever side, political side you have, and we're all in this together. You know, share a little bit more love, compassion for each other instead of pointing fingers. Somebody's wearing a mask. Somebody's not. You know, stuff, you know, and I told you earlier, my cousin was in the hospital for three weeks. My uncle passed away. Uh, my grandma was put in a nursing home. My mom's mom, you know, we haven't been able to see her yet. Uh, my cousin was in there for three weeks, his wife. My uncle is, still has uh, complications from it. And then my other uncle passed away from a heart attack. But what I'm seeing is this isn't like a, oh, poor Billy thing. It's just this is happening to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people right now. And... And so I'd like to see a little bit more, uh, you know, just compassion together. Because I've had people call me, you know, what's on his death certificate? Friends, I say that in quotes. 
What is around. with people? Why are they talking yeah. like that? Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that that's where we're at today. It really is. But, uh, you know, my, my thing is to anybody who has a family member in a nursing home, a facility, um, you know, my heart goes out to them. And, you know, we know what it's like. It's horrible. It sucks. Uh, but, you know, we love them. And our, and our hearts go out to them as well. Thank, I, I, I can't tell you enough what it means for you to share your story with me. It, it really does mean a lot. You're, um, you're good. You know, I have nothing but respect for you, man. Uh, when you came and visited me here in Stephenville, I just started Texas Health Saturday nights. And uh, uh, you came out there and you made me miss having a co-host. Seriously. <laughs> it's so much fun off of you. And oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, I had a yeah, yeah, you, We were promoting your song. And really, man, we just had more fun talking on here. So, yeah, you were the one that made me miss. I had a co-host for a couple years. And cool. after you left, I was like, I need a couple. <laughs> yeah. what's cool with the podcast that you're doing here is that you know sometimes you you know you have that that time period you have to keep it ready when you do your interviews for the most part yeah. and uh, uh but that's what's cool about the podcast is because you get to see what happens off the air and, and that's what i love about them too hey god bless you hey god bless you man i'm proud to call you a friend uh you bought, you're always smiling you always got that upbeat attitude brother and uh, again i just uh proud to call you a friend well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Today, uh, we've been talking with Billy uh, Mack about his, his father. So you're the third. I found I'm this out as well. Yes. My, uh, yeah, regal my, is my, that? my dad's second wife, or the uh, first wife, had a miscarriage. Well, not a miscarriage. The baby died at birth, and they had to give him, give him a name. And uh, so Billy Mack Jr., because my dad didn't think he was going to have any more kids. And then, uh, surprise. So you're Billy Mack the third. Billy Mack the third, yep. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. People, people always say Billy Knight Jr. I don't correct him or anything, but now it's uh, yeah, it's always been fun. Well, God bless you, brother. And uh, man, when this is all over, man, we need to get together, have a cold beer. Seriously, definitely, man. We'll get together and we'll hang out sometime. Billy, uh, thanks again for sharing your story of your father with us. I truly appreciate you, man. And uh, you take care in 2020. All right. Hey, love you, buddy. Love you too. Take care.